Hello, and welcome to the eTalk 2 on Sports podcast for November 10th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind eTalk 2 on Sports. Coming to you a little earlier today, old man's birthday is this weekend, so boom, boom, boom. Recording a little earlier. Because of that, no Thursday night football preview. I will give the DFS rundown. David will come on and we will talk some NFL betting. Jim will share his CFL playoff bets. And Brandon will talk some NASCAR. I'm in a bitter mood. I just lost the most brutal B of the college basketball season. First weekend, Kent State up fucking five with three seconds to play and somehow doesn't cover. Those are the joys of betting on college kids. Right side, someone won that ticket. If you had a ticket on JMU, congrats. Obviously, you won a lotto ticket. Buy me a lotto ticket. Now, without further ado, I'd love to talk some DFS and hop right into it. Obviously, the quarterback position, look. Right now, I'm going to give you Joe Burrow. I could play golf at 6,400, and that's what we're going to do if Burrow doesn't have Chase and Higgins, but I really think Chase and Higgins are going to play. The Texans give up 19.2 points per game to opposing quarterbacks, but when you look at their last three quarterbacks they've played, Ritter, 19.1, Josh Allen, 30.1, Mayfield, 19. That is an average of 22.7 in the last three games. Since the bye, Burrow has had 27.6 fantasy points, and 22.3 fantasy points, averaging 25 points. I really feel that to move the ball on the Texans, they're going to look to exploit the matchups on the outside. So I'm going to go to Joe Burrow at 6,600. Now, if T. Higgins and Jamar Chase don't play, I'm going to pivot off. If one of them is out, I'm still going to go with Joe Burrow. Now, if that's the case, and let's say hypothetically both of them don't play, we're going at golf at 64. Chargers give up the most points per game to opposing quarterbacks at 24.5. They're very tough to run on, which is, I know that's going to shock some people, but it's hard to run on them. Goff likes to target Amron St. Brom. He will be matched up with Taylor as a PFF grade of 89. Chargers can be exposed in the slot and... That is where Goff likes to target Brown because Brown leads them in targets. Goff is quarterback 12 on the year, averaging 17.9 points per game. I really feel the Lions need to score points, and the best path to scoring points will be to attack through the air. So we're going to go to with Jared Goff if Joe Burrow can't play. Running back position, we're going to take Kenneth Walker at 6,800. I know the commanders are decent versus the run, but that's when they had Sweat and Young. They allowed 5.6 yards per rush to the Pats. Stevenson had his best fantasy game, scoring 22.9 DraftKings points. I think that because Walker has struggled his last two, we are going to see him be under-owned and take advantage of this great matchup that he has against the Washington Commanders. So I'm going to take Kenneth Walker at 6,800. Now, next we got Mike Evans at the 
wide receiver position. That's where we're going to go. Titans give up 23.8 DraftKings points per game to opposing wide receiver ones. Titans are 22nd defending the pass per DVOA, 30 defending wide receiver ones. Evans is wide receiver 13 on the season, averaging 15.8 points per game. Six of the eight games, he has scored over 12 points. I expect this to be a heavy Mike Evans game. Had 80 yards last week, had over 60 yards called back. I'm invested in the Mike Evans prop. I'm going to be giving that one out when we talk to David in a little bit. So I like Mike Evans. So there you have it. It's going to be Burrow or Jared Goff, depending on Chase Young and T. Higgins' health situation for Joe Burrow. Kenneth Walker as your running back. And Mr. Mike Evans as your wide receiver. Now, here are the start-sit questions. Always just DM me your start-sit questions, Instagram or Twitter, and I will answer them. Tyler Ajir, A.J. Dillon. Cards defense is bad versus the run. And Algier leads the Falcons in red zone carries. I'll take Tyler Ajir. Devontae Smith or Keaton Mitchell. Look, I was going to say, I, I Keaton Mitchell is listed on the injury report. Third-headed monster. Um, Singletary sucks, but I'll, so you, it, this sucks. You got to go Singletary. Zach Cabernet or Antonio Gibson. Cabernet, commander's bad against the run, as we mentioned. Gibson really is only featured in the pass game. I really don't think he's going to be that big of a pass game. Seattle's decent defending the running back. Tank Dello DeMarco. Douglas, Douglas, he's the number one option for Mac Jones and the Patriots. Dell, I think, is going to have a tough matchup against the Bengals. Josh Downs or Chris and Rotson. Brutal again. I mean, this is a coin flip. I would probably go Downs just because Watson against the Steelers defense and also he's behind Romeo Dubs. I would probably go Josh Downs just because because Minshew does like targeting, targeting him. Jordan Addison or Jacoby Myers? Tough, tough to know who Dobbs is going to target. Um, you know, you got O'Connell versus the Jets. How is he going to react to that Jets defense? But look, I'll I'll have to take Myers just because O'Connell is comfortable. So there you have it. There's your start six. Guys, I appreciate you sending these in and supporting the show. Now let's shift our attention over to some NFL betting. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking NFL. And who better to come on than... David, a.k.a. Better DP 21 David, how are you doing today, my man? You're doing better. My camera was working. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't see your lovely face and decked out and all that Bill's paraphernalia. But uh, you know what? We are on to week 10. Um, yeah. Recording a little bit early. Recording on Thursday night because I'm going out of town this weekend. I'm watching the Panthers epically blow it against the Chicago Bears right now after K-State blew it. So... I'm I, I'm I'm good for a, a little a little turnaround, if you will. Um, yes. Even though I did go two and zero last week, I'm just saying that. Missed uh, two and zero. All right, I like it. So um, anyone listening knows how this works. David gives a first half side. I give a um, player prop, and then we each give a game side. David, as the guest, you're going to kick us off. You go first. What do you got, big man? Yes, sir. So first game looking at it for the first half would be Detroit Lions at the LA Chargers. So looking at this one, um, you know, my numbers are actually showing a favoritism for the Chargers to win this by about a field goal in the first half. Right now you can get it at plus a half. I'm taking the money line at plus 122. Um, you know, it just looks like my my best edge for a side um, <clears throat> in this game right now. So, cause they're both 
very evenly matched uh, when it comes to their offensive uh, passing offense right now. Um, I got the Lions at number six. I got the Chargers at number eight. Um, you know, char- the Lions have a little bit better defense, of course, but no matter – uh, I'm looking at the pile of work here over you know recent weeks, and you know I know Detroit would be coming off of a bye on the road. Um, I really like you know the way that Chargers have been attacking teams in the first half here, getting after early and often with Eckler back in the fold. Um, you know they definitely leave a little to be desired on the passing side of the ball with their weapons there, but you know overall I follow the numbers like everybody knows. I think there's a lot of value on the Chargers in the first half here. That's where I'm putting my money for the first half bet this week um i like that a lot i'm actually on the chargers for the game one of my things is i kind of feel the chargers are more battle tested Mm -hmm. when you look at their their body of work i just kind of feel like a more complete schedule lions really and they're my team like and the only two teams that they play that have been in the top 16 they lost both games yep those are their two losses yep so um you know i definitely definitely like like that one uh, my first bet, I'm going down to Tampa Bay. Give me Mike Evans over 60 and a half yards receiving. Titans are 22nd DVOA defending the pass, 30 DVOA defending wide receiver ones. Titans have given up 177.9 yards per game to opposing wide receivers. That's seventh most in the NFL. Deontay Johnson last week had 90 yards. Evans has gone over this total two of three of his last three games, had 87 yards last week against the Texans. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. He had 63 yards that were called back last week. Oh, wow. So he had more yards called back last week. Can he actually add? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He could have got over this prop. Um, Evans leads the Bucks in yards, second in targets, second in receptions. Everyone knows the script here. Against the Titans, elite wide receiver, you know, you you play the over, and that's what we're doing here. We're taking Mike Evans over 60 and a half yards receiving. Nice. David, yeah. what is your first? Oh, uh, no, sorry. What's your second? <laughs> No, you're good. Yeah, so my side for the full game that I'm looking at for for this week is actually going to be the Saints at the Vikings. Give me everything to do with the Vikings, Dobbs, Jefferson coming back, you know, everybody getting a little healthier, I guess. You know, they they found a rhythm last week with, you know, some success with Dobbs not knowing the offense whatsoever, coming back, pulling out the win straight up on that one. You know, my model even liked them plus four last week with Moneyline. They're sitting kind of about the same this week. They're at plus three as a home dog. I love home dogs. The other you know, reason that I like this a lot is because you'll never guess, but 81% of the money is on the Saints. So, you know, fading the public here a little bit. But my numbers overall really do support Minnesota. You were talking about the number 10 rushing defense, the number 13 passing defense, and I mean, for what it's worth, just overall body of work of Minnesota, number 12 passing offense. Now, I know Dobbs is new here, but he was finding his uh, receivers early and often last week. He actually put up a really good stat line for not having started the game. And, you know, so from that end, you know, I really like the upper tier of the DeVoe rankings that the Vikings have against the Saints going into this one. 
um, you know, it really just lends itself uh, to a favorable matchup, in my opinion, for the Vikings at home. I've got the Vikings winning this by about a field goal. So in my, you know, as in my numbers, I'm looking at this as a six point edge over the book. I am taking <clears throat> the Vikings money line at plus 135. Guess who is the most least profitable coach ATS right now in the NFL? Well, it's got to be Dennis Allen. Yeah. Guess who's the least most profitable coach as a favorite in the NFL? <laughs> Other side? <laughs> Dennis Allen. No, Dennis Allen. Oh, both. Okay. Yeah, Dennis Allen. He doesn't cover, and he really doesn't cover as a favorite. So, like, look, to me, this is kind of a yeah, – I just – I don't know what to do in this game, to be utterly honest with you. This is one of those games where I just don't know what to do. Uh, if I had to pick a side, I definitely would pick um minnesota um as i'm we're watching panthers just pick up yard after yards of penalties which is always fun um (laughs) well i'm gonna stop you there just for a minute because you know what you had the same mentality when i took washington last week on the money line you want nothing to do with that game you didn't know where to go between washington new england washington pulled out that victory for me for everybody here that was listening. So that was a weird game. That, that was right? a weird game. There's been a lot of weird games. And um, you mentioned the thing that's public. This stuff's gonna start crashing down. This is the this is as it's first and fucking 30. Like when was the last time you mm-hmm. saw first and 30? Mm-hmm. Um now you mentioned the public nine weeks yep. deep. If the season were to end today, this would be the best season the, record. the yeah. public has ever had, and it's two times greater than the next highest best season. Does that Ever. make sense? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm and that was that sure. season, not just nine weeks in. So you got there's got to be some sort of correction. Yeah. yeah, correction to the norm. Um, you know, Allen is like historically really doesn't cover. Carr doesn't cover as a favorite. Offense is very pedestrian that the Saints run. You know, a lot of um, a lot of quarterback power. I saw this one guy and. Uh, X today, he posted a play of a 1930s football game. Yeah, next to what the Saints are doing with Taysom Hill, <laughs> same exact thing. Literally, same exact thing. Um, Mr. so yeah, Minnesota. You know, it's looking that they're getting Jefferson back. I will say this though: if you're playing DFS, Dobbs loves the tight end. There you go. So Hawkinson, you know, definitely look at Hawkinson. My next one is I'm going to the Patriots. Um, look, the big thing that I look at this game, excuse me, look at this game is when a team starts as a dog mm-hmm. and becomes a favorite, which happened with the Colts. The Colts start off as a small dog. Now they are a favorite. Awesome. Yeah. That team is 34% ATS. Look at the Colts game last week against the Panthers. I mean, honestly, zero business winning that game. Right. Minshew, 127 yards passing. Taylor, 47 yards rushing. Colts had 198 yards of offense. Total offense, 198 yards. Four of 13 on third down. 2.6 yards per rush. 4.4 yards per pass. Only 3.5 per play. Um, you mentioned the Commanders game against mm-hmm. the Patriots. 
Patriots uh, forced a punt with three minutes left. A guy lined up offsides, extended the drive. <clears throat> Mac Jones threw a dart, and yeah. it was right on Juju Smith-Schuster's hand, and he just dropped it. So, I mean, if if we live in a world where the page where Smith Schuster catches that ball field goal Patriots win. And then the Panthers Bryce Young doesn't throw two pick sixes and the Panthers win. What is this line now? I really yeah. feel the line is a little bit askewed. Um, also, I think the big thing is you look at this, the Patriots averaged 5.6 yards per rush against the commanders. There's no Glover Stewart. Glover mm-hmm. Cleveland, excuse me, who's the one of the better off defensive linemen against the run. So, look, I'm just going to take the Patriots here. I'm going to take them plus the two. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll roll with it. I don't think the Colts should be laying points. Minshew is one of the worst quarterbacks, ATS, and one of the worst quarterbacks, ATS, is a favorite. So, I'm on the Patriots here. Mine, sorry, I'm on the Patriots plus two. Interesting. I mean, I I I'm staying the hell away from any games overseas um from now on. Like it throws me all for a loop. It throws the players for a loop. I don't see the sparks that we're looking for. I mean, even last week, you know, um I just need Miami to score with like one touchdown, like to hit the over that we needed. And you know, nobody could do that in Frankfurt and they're going back there again with the Colts Patriots here. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm representing a, a, a solid O for three, I think, overseas. So I'm just staying away from this game, in my opinion. Um, but should it be normal conditions, I'm with you because my model is actually showing, you know, the regression better than two for the Patriots, more as a pick'em game. So you definitely have an edge there. Um, I even think you're actually getting a reverse line movement as you're making that play, because I know this line started higher um, upwards of three. Uh, and as, as a, as the Patriots being a dog on well, t- both teams being on, on the road, but just showing some, some reverse line movement there in terms of the Patriots and what direction they're heading. So I would agree with you though, you know, should they have won last week against Washington, you know, everybody's perceptions may have changed, but again, I think this is public perception kind of hitting, you know, on the Colts right now. Yeah. Even if the Colts lose that game, I mean, pick six, I read this thing, pick six has happened like less than 3% of the time. Mm -hmm. Bryce Young had two. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like think about how random that is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not, not a lot of defense. Um, you know, well, I want to say not a lot of defensive uh, pick sixes that you could ever like hang your hat on. And to your point, you're making a great, great stat line there. I also really like the Patriots run defense right now. Um, You know, not to belabor this and keep going in circles about why we're taking the Patriots here, but again, number five overall rushing defense. I mean, stack that up against the Colts number six overall rushing offense. I think the I think the Patriots hold down the run game and then, you know, expose Minshew. Um, and I think you know I, I think the Patriots can definitely get this done on the road. I just like I said, I'm staying away from anything with people going overseas and how lethargic the players have been looking. And I just want to reiterate, Frank Wright could be the biggest dumb fuck in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's just random, but I'm, just like, well, I'm really glad you got that off. Like, <laughs> Wait, you know what? My biggest takeaway from the Thursday night football game happened right now. Frank Wright's a dumb fuck, and 
Matt Eberfus looks like the sketchy guy in the pharmacy. <laughs> that that's my biggest takeaway from the fucking from this game, dude. It's like I have no idea what the fuck I'm watching. Um, I'm watching Bears football. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I will, I will say this. I will say this though. I took Miles Sanders over ten and a half yards receiving because the Bears are awful defending the fucking running back in the uh, in the passing game. What's and like, it's like he's it's he must have he must have bitched out fucking what's his face because he is literally getting no run whatsoever. Oh yeah, Chuba's looking like he's leading the pack here. Literally getting no run, but oh. David, like to thank you for coming on. Talking some shop. Make sure to give my boy a follow at BetterDP21. We'll talk soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Make sure to give my boy David a follow at BetterDP21. Now let's shift our attention over to some CFL. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some CFL and who better to come back than the man, the myth, the legend at XFL Jim. Jim, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good, Eric. I'm about ready to go on a nice little trip. I'm uh, I'm having a good old time. Well, where are you headed for the people, dude? Phoenix. Going to Phoenix. You going uh, golfing? Nope. Just just be one with the desert, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna just go get. I'm gonna do my own little spirit trip. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a little yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I think. What for my spirit trip? I go to Bill's Pizza and Tavern. That's oh. where I take my spirit trips. Okay. Little bills, little bills, get a little thin crust, Chicago cut, a couple Miller lights. That's when I find myself. So what's a Chicago cut? So like there's the pie, but instead of like doing it normal, they make it where the it's just square pieces. Oh, that's that's just all that means to the Chicago cut? That's the Chicago cut and a thing and a thin crust. Oh damn. Didn't know that. I'm getting educated. Learning. Learning, my friend. We're not here to talk Chicago pizza. I will tell you this. If you're ever out here, dude, you got to go to the upside. They have this place that makes the pizza. But when it comes, it's like an upside down. Oh, that sounds beautiful. I'll have to send the video of that. Uh, We're not here to talk pizza. We're here to talk some CFL. Obviously... First week, you know, we hit the Hamilton-Montreal first half under. We lost Hamilton, but we had BC for the first half and BC for the game. We gave out a BC future. That's still alive. So we got BC against Winnipeg as the nightcap. The appetizer. The nice little app is Montreal against Toronto. The over-under is 50 and a half. The spread is 10 and a half with Montreal plus 460 on the money line. Can Montreal pull it together and shock the world? No. Montreal is what they've always been this entire year. They beat the bad teams. They lose to the good teams. Actually, Eric, as much as I've like analyzed Montreal as a gatekeeping team, uh, it's come to my attention that a team that I root for is almost a gate. They are a gatekeeping team too, and that is the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. So I, I kind of look at this Montreal team, not in a similar similar way, but in a very similar gatekeeping way, where 
If you beat Montreal, you're a legit like Grey Cup contender. And if you don't, you're just bad. You probably shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, 10 does seem like a ton of points, though, dude. It does seem like a ton of points, but if anyone can do it, it's this Toronto team. Because they just, they, they, when they play these Eastern opponents, they just decimate them. So do you think, like, Montreal can keep it close for a half? Like, what? I think that there's a shot they could keep it close for a half. So Toronto hasn't played, like, a legit game. They've still been schooling people. They haven't played, like, a very hard game in a while. Okay. So I there's a shot, but my only play in this one is I don't think Montreal can defensively do anything against this um, Toronto team. So I played Toronto's team total over... Uh, 31. That's, that was like my one play in this game. So I'm fooling around in bet labs right now. I'm effing around in bet labs, if you will. Now, per bet labs, game is in the postseason. Okay. Okay. Favorites of seven or more are only 42% ATS. There's, I mean, there's a real shot Montreal covers this spread. I also just did the research, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, Montreal only lost to three teams all year. Yeah. Toronto, BC, and Winnipeg. So. Okay. <laughs> it checks out. It checks out. A couple of them. A couple of them were close. A My few thing of them, is, I- a few of them were close. I'm kind of thinking Montreal first half here because I think I think Toronto's going to come out a little slow. Um, that would be the only play I'd want to do here. Maybe the first half under, but I'm definitely going to be on the first half here. Yeah, of- if, if if you like Montreal, you should like them early. Yeah, so I'll take Montreal plus. So my fr- my only bet in this game is I'm taking Montreal here plus the seven for the first half. Jim, what do you have in this bad boy? I'm gonna take Toronto's team total uh, over over um, third. Or, uh, sorry, yeah, over thirty and a half. I don't hate the Alouettes plus six and a half, plus seven, whatever first half. I honestly wouldn't hate the Alouettes plus ten and a half full game. The the worry is that maybe this Toronto team just turns it on. Yeah, and just kind of boat races together. this team out of nowhere, which uh, I like. I could see it happening. Next game. Much better game of the two. Much better game. Maybe potential maybe to be the game of the playoffs. Could be. BC getting four and a half, five and a half on some shops um, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over under 50. What say you, my friend? Give me the over. Shootout. BC in a shootout. I'm going to say, yeah, give me a shootout. Over 50, that's the only one I'm really like confident-ish on. I Four and a half seems about right. I think Winnipeg could probably win it by a touchdown, but this is probably a very boom-boom game where both teams are going back and forth. I like just points. Give me points. I like BC here. I mean, I kind of feel that their offense, I think they're going to be able to move the ball in the air. Um, Adams is looking better. They're starting to get healthy, and I just kind of feel like the Blue Bombers have been very erratic this year. 
let's not forget that game against Edmonton. I mean, they were getting bow raced on the road. They've just had these games that have been flat. They've had a couple games that looked really sharp. I think this I just finally catches up with them. I'll take BC here plus the points and on the money line. I just don't bet against Winnipeg right now in the playoffs. I just I okay. can't. So what are you on here? I'm sorry. Give me the over 50. Just give me All points. Right. So Jim's on the over 50. Okay. All right. Well, Jim, best of luck to you. Hopefully we can make some money. And then, uh, you know, do they have a week off for the Grey Cup? I'm sorry. Um, let me check the schedule real quick. So they got this week. Um, no, Sunday, November nineteenth. So no. Okay. Right. They'll play. They'll play this nope. Saturday, and then it's just on a Sunday instead of a Saturday. Right. Well, man, you know, let's hopefully keep the money. Ship I might rolling. do a live stream watch along. Who knows? For the Grey Cup. I might. I can't get the CFL network to work, so I'm out. Yeah, you could come on and just talk all your NFL bets. I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Make sure to give my boy Jim a follow at CXFL Jim on all social media. We'll talk next week, my friend. You're damn right we will. Make sure to give my boy Jim a follow at XFL Jim. On social media. Now let's shift our attention over to some NASCAR. We have reached the part of the podcast. We're going to kind of look back at the NASCAR season after Brandon hit the 66 to 1 winner last week. Brandon, awesome job, my man, knocking that one out of the park. Um, Yeah, dude, 66 to 1. Nice little business casual way to uh, to (laughs) end the season. Congrats on that, man. Thank you, man. It was uh, overall, I think it was a good year for us. We had our little blips in the season where a few weeks went by. It wasn't exactly what we were looking for, but overall, I think the ROI definitely paid off and closing out 66 to one felt really good. Um, Now, obviously what I wanted to have you come back on this week, you know, just kind of give a recap, kind of talk about this last season, a couple ideas going into next year. Um, Obviously, one of the big news is, is Harvick is leaving. Harvick's yeah. gone. He's retiring. Um, how will NASCAR adapt to losing someone like him? Kudos to him, first off. Uh, great person, great driver. Um, he did very well to have this long of a career and stepping in and and taking over for uh, Dale Earnhardt, which that could have gone so many different ways for people. He embraced it, did well. And uh, so kudos to him before I say this. NASCAR is not going to have to adapt a whole lot. He wasn't really overall competitive the last couple of years to where you consistently saw him in a playoff push and stuff like that. So um, he will be going up to the booth. And I think ever since Dale Earnhardt Jr. has gotten to the booth, like an actual driver, you hear a lot more excitement and more explanations of what's going on in the race. And I think you'll see that with Harvick. So seeing those two guys together for listeners is going to be a lot of fun. But NASCAR adapting. You you won't you won't be missing a whole lot. What was your biggest takeaway from the season? Uh, the competitiveness of the small teams. Um, and I'm going to call Trackhouse small, even though they're not. But once again, they've proven that they're where they should be. Corey LaJoy was racing a lot better. Legacy Motorsports had a couple good runs. Um, Michael McDowell won a race again at a road course against Chase Elliott. 
You had Trackhouse bringing a third driver, making his debut, winning the Chicago race. So it was very impressive how it wasn't just Hendrick or just Gibbs. You saw a good variety of winners and and small teams being successful. What driver, which driver surprised you the most this season? I'm going to say team and driver. So driver Chris Busher. If you had told me the dude was going to win three out of five weeks and, or yeah, three out of five weeks, make the playoffs. Brad Keselowski, also RFK, terrible the last couple of years. Me and you basically shit all over him saying that he's done because he's an owner driver. He was successful. So huge shout out to Busher and RFK as a whole, because that was the biggest surprise to me overall. Biggest disappointment. This one kind of seems self-explanatory. Easy. You know, injuries can never really get it going on the year. Um, Chase, suspension, all of it. And then even you get later on in the year and he's running mid-20s, like not even not even competing for wins. And for those people that want to argue with me saying he's leading a while at Martinsville, he was only out there because he's on a different pitch strategy and it didn't work out. So biggest disappointment, Chase Elliott, for sure. Uh, NASCAR put up great numbers during the summer. People were watching, people were tuning in. Obviously, with football um, coming, those numbers are drastically dropping. It's not getting the quote-unquote primetime network coverage that it did in the summer. Do you feel NASCAR should change, like shorten the season, maybe like look to race like a different day? Once the fall starts, like in evening races and stuff, do you think there's anything they could do to kind of keep the eyeballs on it? Because football is the king. Once yeah. college and NFL starts, they, it just goes off a cliff. Is there something they can do? I don't think so because I, when do you move the games or the races? You can't move it to a morning. That doesn't work for a driver. You, what about like a Wednesday night? You could have a one-off, right? Kind of like football does in Germany and – in London, like you could have a one-off, which they usually do on Saturday nights before college football starts. But the way the trend is in leaving a track on a Sunday and then expecting these teams to turn around, get to another track and practice on, on a Wednesday, unless they did it on a bye week, the week before a bye or a week after a bye, possibly. But let's be real. Ratings are higher than they've been in years right now. Even with football going on, to your point, they drop. Like, cool, they, they drop, but they're still higher than they've been for years. So I don't think you change it because look what they do. The second football season is over. Guess what the first week of NASCAR is? The following week, and it's the Daytona 500. So I think they've got it lined up where they need to. You don't shorten it. It goes, Eric, come on, man. That This season flew by. Flew. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, you got to do something. Um Next question, my friend. Um, which driver do you think we could see break out next season? Ty Gibbs. I was very impressed with what he did as a rookie. Um, didn't get the win that I thought he would as a rookie. That was my future at the beginning of the year. But um, very competitive, very consistent. First year in, driving up front, great equipment. I could see him having a breakout year next year for his sophomore year. Um, which driver made the final 16 that won't be there next year? Only I'll give you two of them. 
Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Michael McDowell. Everybody knows why. Either Ricky wins or Michael McDowell wins the super speedway, which anybody can win that, or Michael McDowell randomly pulls it off at a road course. That's it. Which Xfinity driver moving up do we need to be on the lookout for next season? Hands down, Josh Berry replacing Kevin Harvick. The guy's done phenomenal at junior motorsports. Great personality, good driver. Fans will love him. And he's got Junior's name behind him. 100% that four car, Josh Berry. Right now, who do you think will win the Daytona 500? The entire field because it's a shit show. Just a shit show. Yeah. I, I wish I could sit here and, and, and do a do a long shot with that. But, guys, me and Eric talk about it every every time we get to a super speedway. Take your high bet and, and just hope for it. Just take it. The ROI, the best thing about super speedway, your ROI is huge, almost no matter who you pick. So we'll definitely have our bets ready for when it comes February. But right now, I'm, I'm taking the field. Um, Brandon. You know, this seat part, we're going to continue, but obviously our talking goes down a little bit unless we're talking shit about the NBA. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd like to thank you. You know, you've been a rock last couple of years coming on, talking and everything, NASCAR. Giving out winners, I appreciate you more than you know. Uh, we're going to look to do some hockey stuff. Obviously, that you know, I got to kind of figure some stuff out. You're a busy guy, man. It's, it's hard to get. It's hard to get in these little... On, on my end, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta sit back. I gotta figure some stuff out. I gotta, I get. Basically, guys, he's trying not to make me cry tonight with it being our last NASCAR thing. So he's like, well, we're, no, like, we're, we're gonna do like a Saturday or Sunday thing. I just don't. I just need to kind of <laughs> figure out which day is more popular hockey day. I, I agree. Don't, I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm with you, dude. So uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Make sure to give my boy Brandon a follow at Boston Boy eighty three, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Talk soon. See all you NASCAR fans in February. Make sure you give my boy Brandon a follow at BostonBoy83. As I said, a little bit of a shorter podcast this week as I am leaving to go out of town for my old man's birthday this weekend. Turning uh, the big 76. He's getting up there, dude. Great guy. Taught me a lot. So I will be MIA this weekend. No college football tailgate for me. Chase and Jim will be holding down the fort. But I will be back. On the ETOP 2-1 Sports Show with Joe Madden this Tuesday. Make sure to check that out. Best of luck if you tail the bets. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets, boys and girls.